Good morning, everyone. Pleasure to be back here again. <clears throat> I was um, impressed with the song this morning. Amy Carmichael wrote it. You probably all noticed that. From prayer that asked, may I be sheltered from winds that beat on thee, from fearing when I should aspire, from faltering when I should climb higher, from silken self, O Captain, free thy soldier who would follow thee. That's a, that, that was her prayer. If you know anything about her life, and uh, she didn't have an easy life, but this was her prayer. And this is how she made it through. <clears throat> Not that we have a hard life that we live, but that our prayer would also be that irregardless what comes to us, we'd be faithful. I think let's all stand together again and let's have a prayer together. Father, we stand before you gladly and willingly, but yet at the same time we humbly bow our hearts before you because we are trusting you, desiring that that we would be 100% inside of your will and that our life might be a complement to you. And we pray, Lord, that as we go through, continue through this service this morning, that you would help us, each one of us, to hear what you might be saying to us, me included. Because, Lord, that's what matters, what you speak to our hearts. I just pray, Father, that we might open our hearts, each one of us, to hear and be able to receive and be able to accept and whatever else may be the case, that, Father, it all might redound to your glory. That's why we're here. That's why we meet this morning. That's why we do the things we do on, on earth in life. That might be for your glory. Help us, Lord, to keep that in mind. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I want to thank you also, Brother Darrell, for your opening that you gave there and that uh, message. Children, they are, they, are the, they are, the Bible says, they are the heritage of the Lord. That means that our children are the Lord's heritage. And that means that we have a responsibility. Amen. Well, the message this morning has to do with stretching forth your hand. If you want to turn with me to Luke chapter 6, I'll read that. This, is, this message is about... I'm going to say healing, and it's about 
God's heart for you. Luke chapter 6, verse 6. Start reading there. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath, for that he entered into the synagogue and taught. This is Jesus. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew the thoughts, and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about them, all he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Now, faith. Faith is a prerequisite to hearing from God and from and to believing God and believing what he says we have to have faith we have to believe that he is this man's faith we have no idea how how faith how full of faith this man was but this man the faith that this man had was this this is what this man did to show his faith Jesus asked him to stretch forth thy hand he says just here let me see it that's where this man's faith came in He didn't know what would happen. I suppose he kind of hoped so, be healed. But he didn't know. So he stuck out his hand. It's been said that you can't be saved until you're lost. And there's truth in that. In other words, I have to recognize my need before God. I have to recognize what God did for me. And that he can save me before I can be saved. I have to recognize I am lost. And I'm not going to heaven. And I'm not going to be in his kingdom on this earth. At all. Until I recognize I'm not there. That's how I get in. I have to recognize that first. That's not, the only, that's not all there is to it. But that's how I get into that kingdom. That's how I get saved. I recognize I'm lost. So I ask you this morning. Are you saved? Or are you lost? I've already told you what you need to say, what you should say. You all know that you're sitting here. You all know that you should say, I was lost, now I'm saved. That's the right answer. That's a good answer. And for most of you, that would be true. I'd like to go a little bit uh, deeper or different than that, though, just a little bit this morning. I'd like to ask you the question, or I'll ask myself the question. Remember, we're talking about reaching, reaching hither thy withered hand. The question is this. Do I have any faults or inconsistencies or weaknesses or problems or embarrassing to the flesh attributes or characteristics that I am willing to bring before God? Is there anything about me I'm willing or not willing to bring before God? Am I willing to stretch forth my withered hand? 
You know, we all like to see good hands. Mine's a pretty good hand. I mean, it's, it's complete. There's no, all the fingers are there, and there's no scar. Well, a little scar there, but that's it's a pretty good hand. And this one is too, and you, most of yours are too. But you have a withered hand. It's a little harder to stretch it forth and make it, make it you know, it's like this. You'd, you'd be a little bit more embarrassed. You really wouldn't want to do that. But this morning, what we're asking, what God is asking us to do is in spite of the withered of our hand, in spite of how ugly it may be, in spite of how wrong it may be, He's asking you to reach forth that withered hand and He makes it whole. That's what He's asking. That's what I want to ask you this morning. So am I being all God wants me to be? Am I being all God wants me to be? Am I? I might have a withered hand. You might have a withered hand. You might have something about your life that's not like it should be. So my question this morning is, I want us to just think, do I have one? And if I do, what am I going to do with it? I'm going to keep it hidden. Like that little lie Brother Kendrick was speaking of. You can't hide that thing. Eventually, look at all the little lies you had to tell to try to cover the thing up, but it didn't even cover it up then. And what's more, it'll never cover it up. Because God sees it all. You cannot hide a lie, ever. God sees it all. So therefore, your withered hand, you can't hide that either. I can't hide that. There's, that's what I have to face. I have a withered hand, and God says, stretch it forth. <clears throat> Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray, and turned everyone to his own way. We've all gone. That's who we are by nature, our carnal nature. Romans says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered, sin entered into the world, and, by, and death by sin, so death has passed upon all men, for we all have sinned. All of us. I'm going to say, that's to, to a certain extent, we all had a withered hand, and we have stretched it forth, and God has made it whole. In one aspect, eternal salvation, souls, amen. But I'm talking a little different than that in the, in the aspect of what about my characteristics or what about my attitudes or what about those things in me that uh, I know I haven't done right. This past week, I got a little impatient or whatever it might have been. I don't, I'm not even going to try to name things. But I want us to consider our withered hand. In John, he says, God so loved the world. He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. God so loved the world. And if you can imagine how, if God does that, and He sees us withdrawing our withered hand, he sees us not accepting or not taking responsibility for or not doing what He knows we should do and we know we should do, not getting it out there and dealing with it, that stabs Him in the heart, so to speak. He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever had a withered hand could reach it forth and it would be healed. You know, God has a plan sometimes way beyond our plan, way beyond what we can see. 
In fact, it's very possible that we will never see the end of God's plan for us in our lives. We'll never see all that He intended to come out of, to bring out of, bring forth from us for whatever He might have brought into our life. Or whatever He might have brought into your life. A death of a child, a death of a father, whatever it might have been. You may never know. I think of, was it Philip that was killed? Philip Brubaker. That was my first cousin's son. Here his wife is, five children, five children alone. Just, he went to where he went to help that family that day, I think it was some kind of a work day, and he never came home. What's her name? Andrea. Andrea had no idea that her husband would never come home. She had no idea. She expected him to come home. He didn't. All of a sudden, that evening, Papa's not there. We look at that and say, that, that's, I mean, we call it a tragedy. And in some ways it is. But at the same time, we don't know what God has a plan for all of that. We don't know. That thing didn't happen to take God by surprise. And now he said, uh-oh, now what am I going to do? It didn't happen that way. God knew all along. The point is, God has a plan for your life. And you may think, why me? You may think, why is this happening to me? You may think, whatever you may think, at some point in time, whenever it is, why or what or all those kind of questions. But the reality is, God never says, uh-oh, what am I going to do now? He knows ahead. He knows. There's nothing that God lets come into your life that God doesn't have a way that you, if you'll trust Him, God can carry you through that. If we have a withered hand, we need to reach it out. That's how he can heal. And that's the only way he can heal. Do you suppose Jesus would have healed him if he'd have said, no way, I'm not handing that thing out there. I don't think he would have. I don't know, of course. I don't think so. Hiding something does not cure it. In John chapter 9, if you want to turn there, turn there with me also. John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, and this is, this is marvelous. It's the ways of God. Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now that man, here he was blind. I have a lot of pity, and I may have more than I should have for blind persons. We had a Bible school this past week. And there's a blind, blind uh, young lady that was blind. And you just almost, I mean, she did excellent. She walked confidently, and she talked confidently, and... And she was bright and, I mean, I have no, no criticism of her at all. But I look at her and think, she has no idea what's out here really. She doesn't know how, really how big this room is. She doesn't know the steps are right there. She doesn't know necessarily how many people are here. She just doesn't see. And somebody comes along and says, here, I'll help you. So she grabs their arm and, and she, I saw her walk down off the steps the other day. 
She did like this. So she felt the edge of the step, then she stepped down, then she stepped down again like that, then she stepped down, then no more steps, so she could go on. Okay. She had a withered hand. But Jesus hadn't asked her, well, in some ways he has, he's asked her to reach it forth. Why he doesn't heal her, I don't know. There's lots of people that way. But this man that Jesus talks about, he was born blind so that the works of God could be made manifest in him. It seemed like he was just simply that way because Jesus knew that at some point he was going to meet up with him when he was here on the earth and he was going to heal his, his eyesight. That the works of God would be made manifest in him. I want us to, to get a hold of that a little bit. I have a withered hand. I have something that, that's bothering me or something that I need to take care of, whatever it might be. I can hide that thing and I can never be healed and the works of God would never be made manifest in me or I can stretch it forth and say, here, Lord, here it is. We don't know why we have all the things happen to us that do. We don't always know the reasons why. And we don't need to know. But for some reason, God, whatever, they, whatever reason it is, and we may never know, why some of these things happen to us. In Matthew, he says the same thing I just read in Luke, or very close to that. <clears throat> he's at, he, he, there, though, he records that he said, What men of you have shall have sheep, and one fall into a pit? And who of you wouldn't go get that, that sheep out on the Sabbath day? He says, How much then is a man better than a sheep? And again, he says, Then he says to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. A few things I want to point out. <clears throat> Number one, we need to see that we have a withered hand. We need, to, we need to see that. Take a look. Whatever's in your life, we have a withered hand. In the blind man's case, he was blind. The Number two, we need to see that it is the mind of God... To restore our hand. God said reach it forth. And he restored your hand. And that's what God wants to do in your life. It's the mind of God. He wants you to reach it forth. And he does with it what he wants. But we need to have the faith to say. If God wants me to reach it forth. That's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> and number three. We need to see that the purpose of restoration. If God. And God will. If we will bring forth our withered hand. Whatever that may be. We bring forth our withered hand. God doesn't just laugh at it. He takes it and he says, I can do something with this. I can either heal it. I can, I can use it for your benefit or my benefit some way. In any case, my purpose, my job is to reach it out and let him have it. That's what my job is. So we need to see that the purpose of restoration in our souls or our bodies is the power of God to be manifest. If God wants to do something in us, it's for his glory. That the power of God may be manifest in us. <clears throat> and number four, regardless of ourselves, whether we're confident or not, whether able or not, intalented or not, it is the will of God that He be manifest in you. It's the will of God that He be manifest in you. That's the will of God. God wants to see Himself in you. That's what God wants. Withered hand and all. He can take care of that. That's not the point. When God, when Jesus asked 
When Jesus asked that man to stretch forth his hand, he called him to, he asked him to ask for help. That's what Jesus did. He asked him, will you ask for help? The man said, yes, I need help. That's one thing, one thing we want to look at, we want to see here. When Jesus asks us to reach forth our withered hand, it's, it's us asking for help, and he wants us to ask for help. Withered and all. All your not-so-pretty thoughts and feelings. All the baggage you might have that you're dragging along with you and you just can't seem to get rid of. Your sins, yourself, everything. He wants us to reach forth all that to Him. These kind of things, these kind of things take place many times in your closet. Many times. For me, that's where they take place many times. Sometimes they might take place up here at an altar. Sometimes they might take place, wherever they take place, it doesn't matter where. But God wants us to reach forth our withered hand and He wants us to accept the fact that He is going to do something with it. It's, he, he, we're this way, whatever we are, He wants us to show His power in us. Whatever that may be, in you and your life. Whatever it is. And it doesn't matter how bad it is. He wants you to reach forth your, all the badness you have and He wants you to say, Here, Lord, here's my withered hands. Here's my withered body. Here's my withered everything. He wants you to reach it forth. I'll do that. The second thing that man did, he stretched forth his hand. And when he stretched it forth, it was also an obedience. Not only because it's for our benefit that he would, and for his glory and his, to portray and manifest his power in us, but also, it's, it's out of obedience. It's a, it's a call to confession. It's a matter of humble yourself and admit, I have a problem. I recognize my inability. I recognize why I am who I am. I recognize this is my problem. This is my problem. And it was restored whole. Jesus heals all our diseases. He has the power to take to make us take us from being unable, unclean, and undone to be able to be clean and willing to accept the power God has for us in our lives. He's willing to take all that. That's what God wants to do. <clears throat> if we will refuse to do that, what we have is a skewed desire, and many times it's usually pride and arrogance that will prevent us from it. What makes us do it? What makes us willing to say, okay, Lord, here I am with all of my witheredness is humility, is meekness, is self-denial, it's dying with Christ, it's called trusting Him, it's called faith, it's called not I but Christ be honored, it's called giving your heart to Jesus, it's called giving everything to Him. Hold on to something. Hold on to something that God is asking you to get up and just see how far you go. You'll run into that thing time and time again until finally you say, okay, Lord, I'm done with this. You'll find it time and time again. If you hear a message or you're, you're praying or you're reading, that thing will come up in your mind again and again. I know. Again and again and again until you finally say, okay, Lord, I'm done with this. And you go make it right, whatever that takes. 
It'll come up in your heart. What we need is a desire to be in Christ and Him in us more than a desire to be free from sin. What we need is more of a desire to be in Christ and He in us. We need a desire for that more than we need to be than we need to desire than we desire to be free from sin. If I am desperately longing, desperately searching, desperately seeking that Christ would be in me and He'd be all He wants me to be, all the sin will go. I say, let's not try to get rid of sin in our life. Let's try to, let's, let's, let's seek for Jesus. Let's pursue after Him. That is going to be your key. Can I have a drink of water? Sorry, I don't see any up here. What we need is more of a desire to be used by God than a desire to be different than we are. What we need is more of a desire to be used by God, available to Him, than to be different than we are. We can really dislike ourselves. We can find a lot of things wrong with us. We can look in the mirror and say, I don't like you. We can do that. What we need is more of a desire to... Thank you, brother. More of a desire to be used by God than a desire to be different than we are. Because God accepts us. God looks at you and says, I like you. I love you. What we need is the desire for Christ to be manifested in us more than a desire to be strong. We pray, Lord, I want to have strength to overcome this thing. I say, let's pray rather, God, that you might be manifested in me, that my life would show forth the love and the result of Jesus Christ in me more than a desire to be strong. (coughs) If we'll have that, (coughs) if we have a desire, more of a desire to to be in Christ and He in us than a desire to be free from sin, and a desire to be used by God more than a desire to be different than we are. And a desire to be, for Christ to be manifested in us more than a desire to be strong. That's reaching out our withered hand. That's saying, okay, Lord, whatever you want in me, that's what I want. <clears throat> so the question becomes, as you... Consider your life as you consider who you are, be it now, be it tonight when you go to bed, be it after the service here. Maybe you want to stay and do business with God. But as you consider it, will you stretch forth your hand? Will I? What needs do I see in my life that needs to be something done with? They're not right. I have needs that I am not right. What will I do? Remember, this is not about, this is not about, how do I say it? Your, it's not about you and your health, you and your life. It's about Christ being manifest in you. Is there anything you need 
to bring before God to be healed. Or maybe you felt like you've been neglected and weren't treated right. What are you going to do with that? You can, you can let that eat at you and it'll, it'll eat you up. Or you can say, Lord, I'm giving it to you. You give me my desires. You fill me with what you want me to have. You fill me with satisfaction. He will. He can. He does. I don't want to leave you here. This is a, this is a, I want you to consider what is there that I need, how, what withered part of me do I need to reach forth and let God do with it what He wants. But I need to obey Him and reach it forth. I want, to, I want you to consider that, but I want to go on. Let's turn to Acts chapter 9. This is the, when, when Saul was converted, when he was struck down there on the road to Damascus by that light, or the light shone round about him and he fell down. But I want to look at some of the things we can learn from this example of what, what happened here. <clears throat> Chapter 9, verse 4. Well, earlier it's talking about Saul yet breathing out threatening in verse 1. Threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. One to the high priest. And he got letters from them to, that he could, uh, if he found anybody in this way, that he could bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest? See how does he say that? Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Paul, Saul said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. What the Lord was telling him was that you're kicking against a rock that's not going to move. You're dealing with something here you're not going to get anywhere. It's going to be hard. You're not going to, it's not going to happen. You're not going to get what you're trying to get. <clears throat> it can't be done. Because he was fighting with the Lord. And then he goes on and he says, And he, trembling and astonished, said, I got it all here. Let me not. <clears throat> well, now comes the question. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That was, that was Saul's question to, this, to the Lord. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That's our question also this morning. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What wilt thou have me to do? What is there in my life that I'm not doing and I should be doing? That's a question. Lord, 
What wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. I liken that to, you know, what happened here was, God told him to go into the city, and he would be told what to do. Where he went was where God's people were. That's where he went. Now, he took him there and they brought him into Damascus. And he was there for three days and three days without sight. He didn't eat or drink. So what he did was, he went into the city and he waited for God to tell him what to do. Well, as he was there, it says... And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. You know, I thought about, I wonder if not sometimes that might not be a little like, sometimes we kind of know what we're supposed to do. Not everybody hears it. But we kind of hear from the Lord what we're supposed to do. What do we do with that? So he went there into Damascus. And then there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, he said, I am here. And he said, Arise and go into the street that's called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And he said, The Lord tells him he's seen a vision, that you're going to be coming. And Ananias said, Lord, uh-uh, that's asking a lot, isn't it, I heard about, about this man, and, uh, and he, he, he don't like Christians. He doesn't like, he's not going to like me. In fact, he came here to destroy me. And the Lord said, you go. So he did. Ananias went in. And I suppose when Ananias went in, I suppose he was just a little apprehensive. Here's this man that many people had heard about, and he was supposed to go in. Ananias was told he was that he t- was he told he was blind. Supposed to go, supposed to go uh, speak to him. Behold, he prayeth. Yes, he said. Ananias has seen. Or he said there is a man there. Well, no, he told Saul. He said there is a man there that Ananias is coming and put his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias said, No, I can't do that. But you know, sometimes if we have a withered hand, if we have something in our life that doesn't quite seem like, "Eh, I'm not sure I can do that, it's going to backfire on me. I think this example we have of Saul here tells us it's okay. God wants us to reach our hand out. God wants us to take care of this, this situation, whatever it is we might be dealing with. God wants us to do that. And that's what God says to do. Irregardless how dangerous or how impossible, or how hard it may be. God wants us to reach out our hand. Remember, we need to desire more to have Christ in us, and we and He in us, rather than to be different. 
That's what we need to, that's what we need to desire. This is, this is a situation, what we're talking about is a situation where sometimes we don't know what to do. God said, reach out your hand. I'll take care of you. <clears throat> Ananias was trying to talk the Lord out of going, but he said, no. He said, go thy way. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. What, what God wanted Ananias to do there was do something that looked awful hard for him. But God knew what the purpose was and the intent was. And there is an end that God has in mind. God wants to make this thing work out. And He will make it work out. What we need to do is do what He asks. Reach out our withered hand. Whatever that is. You may, you know, a withered hand could just simply be your inadequacies. Be like, <clears throat> I don't think I can do that. I, I, I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability. I don't have the words. I don't have the uh, confidence. I don't have, I can't do that. I want to take that away from you. Yes. God says, Jesus said, reach out your withered hand. That's what he said. He didn't say, hey, can you kind of slide it off the side here and let me look at it a little bit? He didn't say, that's off the side here. We can deal with this thing later. We'll take care of it later. He didn't say that. He said, reach it out. Give it all. I'm going to go to another scripture that we usually don't take the way I'm going to take it this morning. I don't think it's out of context. You can tell me later if it is. Matthew 18. Verse 15. <clears throat> it says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Generally, we take this Matthew 18 thing, and we, that, when we go into the Matthew 18, when we start into that, it's, generally it's pretty serious. We're almost expecting, if we've ever gone into it, that we're going to have to get to the third step. We're almost expecting that. I'd like to back up a bit and say there might be a, a little different application to that. It might be a simple way to do that God is saying two things to us. One, you might be able to help your brother see something that he needs to see. I want you to do that. If he says something, this brother does something that you're saying, that's not right. Trespass against me. I don't know how you look at that for sure. Let's just say that's not right. We say, well, okay, that's, that doesn't apply to us. We, we don't have to do anything with that. But maybe we should. Maybe we should say that we see that's not right. And God is saying to us, Jesus says, go ahead and tell him. Go talk with him about it. 
That's one thing he might be saying with this. The other thing he might be saying in this verse is, go talk to him alone. Not talk about it with everybody else. There might be something there that some of us could learn. I'm not pointing fingers at all. It's just a scripture here that I ran across and I said, I wonder if there might be something here that I've never really thought about a lot about before. It doesn't have to be. This doesn't have to be. He goes on and gives you the next steps. If, if you can't work things out, that's, that's, that's good. It's Jesus' way. It's the right way to do it. But might it be that we tend to stay away from helping somebody with a withered hand, if we could say it that way, because we're afraid of what might have the step, next step might have to be? I say, no, let's not be afraid of that. This, this whole Matthew 18 is intended for reconciliation. It's not intended to hurt people. Not at all. And this first step, take care of it. And don't talk to everybody else about it. Now, I'm not saying that because you all have. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just simply saying, this is what Jesus said. I just want to bring it out. <clears throat> you may say, uh, uh, not me. <laughs> no. He, he needs to take care of that himself. I'm not going to do anything with that. Or she needs to take care of that herself. I'm not going to do anything with that. These are the words of Jesus. That's all I, that's all I can say. <clears throat> and let me give you a, a, a couple things to think about. If you have a situation that you feel like you need to talk to somebody, let me, let me encourage you to go first saying, is there something I have done we need to clear up? It always works better because we're humans for me to take the blame on myself than to put it on somebody else as much as I can. It always works better. <clears throat> I've said this before. Even if you're only 2% wrong in the situation, take 100% of the blame for that 2%. That's going to get you a lot farther than if you look at that other 98%, just throw it off all, all off on them and not look at your 2%. And I would say, and this goes without saying probably, but I will say it. If you'll do it in that way, if you go in the spirit of humility, just simply acknowledging and admitting, I have problems too. I know I do. And I'm not trying to stand up here and point down at you and not at all. <clears throat> now, I want to share with you now what God thinks of you. You might have a withered hand or you might have failed to do your part in whatever that may have been. But even considering that, 
this withered hand you have, nobody wants to have a withered hand. I mean, nobody asks, Lord, give me a withered hand. I'd like to have a withered hand. Nobody does that. Or nobody does. Nobody says, Lord, give me a, a, a sin that I want to commit just because I want to sin. We don't do that. It's our heart and desire and God's heart and desire that we all have whole bodies and be completely whole in everything. But sometimes we don't. Okay? Amen? So does that mean then that God says, when you look in the mirror, when you look at him and he looks at you, he says, I don't like you. No. That means that God sent his son into the world that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He would save them. Amen. Praise God. Now, I want to look briefly. Solomon, when he built built a temple... There, and he dedicated that temple to the Lord. In that temple, he prayed a a wonderful prayer. God said, amen to that prayer. His response was this. He said, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself. He says, for a house of sacrifice. And he goes on and says, if I shut up heaven and there's no rain and your command locusts and all this, my people, and if I send pestilence among my people, he said, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. If they'll reach out their withered hand, this is what God thinks, then will I hear from heaven. humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their withered hand. And he goes on and says how his his eyes are going to be open, his ears attent under the prayer. I want you to, we go through this, I want you to think, this is you. This house that we're talking about, this, the God is responding He says, if you, well, if I shut up heaven and you have a hard time in your life. But if you will turn back to me and humble yourselves, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive your sin and will heal you, will heal your withered hand. You know, the Old Testament is a type of who we are today. I think we can take this, this little scenario here with, with this house, this, Solomon, this, this um, temple that Solomon built, and put that's ourselves. So if you'll turn to me in this house, if this house, you in this house, turn to me, turn to me, humble yourselves and pray, he said, I'll heal you. Amen? Amen? Amen. I know I said some things today that's pretty pointed. 
I didn't mean to, I don't mean to point to anybody in particular. I really didn't. But I want you to get a hold of the fact that God wants to bring healing to this congregation. If you don't remember anything I said, I'll remember that. God wants to bring healing to this congregation. And it's going to take the reaching out of your withered hand. I'm going to apologize to a certain extent. There was a time back at Living Hope, we did we went through some things that was kind of hard some years ago now. And I'll be honest with you, we got kind of tired, and you'll have to forgive me. It just seemed like this is what the Lord had me to say, and, and I hope it was right. We got kind of tired of always being reminded of our problems we were having. I'm sorry. I don't intend to do that. I don't want to be constantly reminding you of the problems you might have. That's not my heart. My heart is, oh, that we could reach out our withered hands. Oh, that we could come together. Oh, that we could let the Lord have His way. Oh, that we'd have the first desire. Our first desire is that God would be magnified. God would be honored. It's our first desire. Now, I said, I told you that the Old Testament in it is a type of who we are today. We can look at the Old Testament and see all kinds of of types and illustrations and and you can parallel them with a spiritual life in Christ today. You can parallel many, many things. It's the reason the Old Testament was written, so that we can understand who God is and how God works, what God thinks of us. That's why, I'm going to say that, there may be other reasons, but... That's at least some of the reasons why, why the Old Testament was even written. Now, here we are. This is our God. This is the encouraging part. This is where we can get hold of. We get hold of this. We can say, Amen, Lord. We're going to believe you. We're going to trust you. And some of these verses are very familiar to all. But when you think about that it's a matter of God giving this to me, to Zion Christian Fellowship. God is giving this to you. Every one of you, God is giving this to you. This is what he says. The Lord is our shepherd and we don't have anything that we need to want for. He'll take care of us. That's what he said. And he said he's going to make us lie down in green pasture. We're going to have plenty to eat. Things are going to be plentiful. It'll be okay. I'll take care of you. That's what he's saying. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. That's what God is going to do. That's what God wants to do to all of us. And God will do it. He will take care of us. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. In other words, 
It doesn't matter who's out there. It doesn't matter who I, who, what, what the situation is. I can trust him and I'm going to be able to sit down in peace. And all the enemies, if I can say that, I'd like to see all the enemies just flee away. We don't have to worry about what the enemies are going to do. God says, I'm going to prepare a table, a table to eat. I don't know what, what he meant there altogether, but just is a place of rest, a place of, of refreshment. That's what he said he's going to do. <clears throat> and he says, listen, listen. He uses the word surely. But I'm going to say, he's saying, listen up, listen up. I have something to say to you. He said, goodness and mercy is going to follow you all the days of your life. That's what I want to do for you. That's what he said. What he's saying. Psalms, he says, in 28, he says, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. <coughs> the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Amen? That's what the Lord is going to do. That's what the Lord says to us. I am helped. My shield. Psalm 29. The voice of the Lord is powerful and the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And the voice of the Lord breaketh cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh me also to skip like a calf. That's, that's what the Lord wants to do. Will do. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The voice of the Lord. That's what the Lord wants to do and will do. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd, gather the lambs with his arms, carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. That's, that's our God. That's who's leading us. That's our captain. And we're following. And he's saying, come with me. Just give me your withered hands. He says, he gives power to the faint. To them have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Fear thou not, Isaiah, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You can count on him. He says, Matthew says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is what God wants to do. This is God's heart. <clears throat> Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, 
and there could be a lot said about that. I'll just leave it at that. You should say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Okay? Well, look at Paul real quickly. Paul. He says this. He says, I want to tell you something. This is Paul talking. He says, I want to tell you something. You know, some of you take pleasures in many things. There's lots of pleasure in many things. But he said, I want to tell you what I take pleasure in. And I want to tell you why. But I want to tell you what he takes pleasure in. He takes pleasure in infirmities. He takes pleasure in reproaches. He takes pleasure in necessities. He takes pleasure in persecutions. He takes pleasure in all those kinds of things. Because you know why? He says, when I do that, he says, when I am weak, then am I strong. Okay? <clears throat> Somehow, I, 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 I want to try to give you the, the impression, the idea, that get, get this in your heart. I hope it's there. That these things, hard things we may have to deal with, or dealing with, whether it be your own personal situation or whatever it may be. This, these things are not without purpose. There's a purpose for these things. And Paul says, I take pleasure in those things because when I am weak, when I am in the midst of those things, walking through those things, and I look to my God, and I believe my God, He says what He'll do, He says, then I can become strong. You know, you know his, uh, you know his testimony. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, five times he received thirty-nine stripes, three times he was beaten with rods, once he was stoned, three times suffered shipwreck, in journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own sea, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren in weariness and painfulness and watchings often in hunger and thirst and fastings often in cold and nakedness. Yet, I will glory in those things which concern, con, which concern mine infirmities. That's enough to make you smile. Because God says, you trust me you take glory in these things. You become weak in me and I will make you strong. That the power of God may be made manifest in you. That's what he's after. And if I could, just let me say this one more thing. If there's, you, Zion Christian Fellowship is on the verge of giving God great glory. I believe it. I have to. I do. But it's going to take some work on your part. You know that. But there's opportunity here. We can give God great glory or we can not. <clears throat> How Paul do this? 
He knew how to reach out his withered hand. He knew how to trust in Christ. He knew how to wait on God. He knew how to accept that God is not is in control and not him. He knew how to deal with his flesh and endure for the sake of the gospel of Christ. He knew how to accept the circumstances that he was in as the will of God. He knew how to choose contentment. He knew how to accept persecution as God's will. He knew how to forgive. He knew how to love Christ with all of his heart. He knew how to forsake the world and its temptations. He knew how to humble himself to accusations that, may, that have a way of chiseling off rough edges. He knew how to receive instruction. He knew how to keep going despite the very difficult circumstances. One more thing. John chapter 18. Verse 36, he says this. He says, my kingdom, he was there, they were arresting him. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Words, words that re-echo through, ages, through the ages. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. My kingdom is not of this world. He's talking about swords. Peter had the sword there. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, and I would not be delivered to you Jews. That wouldn't happen. But now is my kingdom not from this world. It's not from here. Hence. He said, this is what he said, in my kingdom, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom that we are a part of, in this kingdom, he said, it's different. It's different than the world's kingdom. It's not like the world. It's different in here than it is out there. <clears throat> it's different in here than it is out there. In here, we don't fight. We don't argue. We have a different standard. In fact, there's a lot of death in my kingdom, but it's dying for each other. That's what Jesus said. We lay down our lives for each other. And John records Jesus saying, This is my commandment inside of my kingdom. This is my commandment. That ye love one another as I have loved you. And he goes on and says, and he tells you, he tells us what 
this great love is. He says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. <clears throat> I'm done. Here's my notes. I'm only Mark. That's all I am. I'm trying to be a servant of the Lord. <clears throat> I've tried to speak this morning the words that God wanted me to speak. I've done the best I know how. I want to say one more thing. Not that it really matters to you. Because <clears throat> I'm just, some of you have known me longer than others, and some of you were closer friends than others, but I'm here. But I want you to know this. <clears throat> That everything I've said this morning said out of a heart of love. I hope you can take it that way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm tired. But you are not. And Father, some of these people in this building are tired. You are not. Father, I want to pray, strengthen our hearts that we might be able to see the beauty and the value of stretching forth our withered hand, that we might be able to see that our purpose in life is for your glory that the glory of the Lord might be manifested in us. Amen, Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to be a little part of your kingdom.
wherever we are, whatever station or, or place, appointment we might have in life, but it doesn't matter. But thank you, Father, for letting me and those of us who have chosen to be just a little part of your kingdom. We look forward to the day, Father, when we can see all these things from a different perspective. And we can see you in all of your glory. And your kingdom will be, kingdom will be absolutely fulfilled. There will be no more tears. There will be no more withered hands. There will be no more need of encouragement. There will be no need of looking back at what you will do for us. Because it will all be fulfilled. All be brought to fruition. Everything will come to pass. And it will all be complete and perfect. We look forward to that time, Lord. For your glory. As though just now, even now, as we continue on in life, we pray, help us to be your servants in every way we can be. In Jesus' name, amen.